Thank you for choosing to listen to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. In a really amazing selection of other podcasts indicative of the recruitment market and the business market, for whatever reason you're listening now, we just want to say thank you for choosing us. We couldn't do this without our sponsor and our partners. We're going to talk about them a little bit later on in the show, but thank you to Pager, our sponsors, and our partners, Inclusion Crowd and Needy. And without further ado, let's jump in to get to know this week's guest. The next episode for the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is definitely going to be of interest to you if you're clicking on this, if you are thinking about launching on your own. Uh, on this journey for the Recruitment Founders Club, I am joined by Greg Elton and Lindsay Hartland, who are two very experienced entrepreneurs who've between them been in the recruitment industry for over 40 years, and they launched the Recruitment Founders Club in 2023. Um, for full um, visibility, I am a board advisor for the Recruitment Founders Club, and you will see why. Uh, it's an exceptional opportunity for those who are thinking of setting up on their own, but we talk very generically around what the metrics are, who should think about setting up on their own, who should definitely not set up on their own, what you should look out for, what the caveats are, what your due diligence should be. And we talk a little bit around the recruitment industry generally. Uh, and I think you'll really get a lot from this. And if you're a recruitment leader and you're thinking about potentially setting up an incubation um, fund yourself, I think you'll take a lot from this episode. Greg and Lindsay are two of my dearest friends in the recruitment industry. And I think you'll see why when you get to the end of the episode. So let me know what you think. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. We are so proud at the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to be sponsored by Pager. Pager helps recruiters to build personal brands, to identify new business opportunities, to attract those hard-to-find candidates, and to basically have better conversations. Now, you will have a large network that you want to build credibility with on LinkedIn. And sometimes posting content every day feels impossible. Now that changes once you have Pager. Pager provides you with the ideas, the content and the scheduling capability for, to produce daily content to build out your own personal brand in minutes. And for business development too. Pager identifies companies that are advertising jobs, have key hiring indicators such as funding rounds, mergers, acquisitions, or senior appointments, and then alerts you to this daily. Pager also enables you to write candidate-centric job adverts without bias in seconds. So once you advertise your job, Pager will then automatically create a branded post and publish it to LinkedIn without you even having to lift a finger. So when you want to actively source candidates, you can create complex Boolean strings in seconds. All you need to do is to provide the job title and location. Now, Pager is making thousands and thousands of recruiters smarter and faster. For more information, click on the link pager.co to book your demo. And remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when inquiring. Now, back to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast and we're in for double trouble today. 
This is my absolute pleasure to introduce to our community today two people who have had the great pleasure to get to know over the years. One has actually been on the pod in the past, but just on his own. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of a different project. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome to our community, Greg Elton and Lindsay Hartland of Recruitment Farms. Welcome to you both today. How are you? Good, Leisha. Thanks. How are you doing? Well, we've got the, we've got the pro answering first because for our audience, Lindsay has been on before, but Greg, I think, might be popping his podcast cherry today. Is that oh, right, ab Greg? Absolutely. And I, I haven't been an avid listener to them until you told me off in the... Uh, I did. I did. He's never he's never listened to a podcast in his life. And for anyone that, obviously, you're listening because you're a podcast fan, I just, I can't understand it because I listen to it probably about three or four a day. I just yeah. absolutely love when I'm moving around. So we'll go with Lindsay first because given he's the pro. Tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, so I'm Lindsay Hartland. Uh, I'm a business owner, a recruitment business owner. Uh, Hannison Green Limited is my small boutique recruitment business, which you know of, and that's when I came on the pod previously. And that's been going for about three and a half years now. Yep. Prior to that, I was in the corporate world at S3 for 18 years, from trainee to partner. Set Hannison Green up in the middle of a pandemic. And then more recently, which is what we're going to talk about today, I think uh, in most part is our new business recruitment founders club, which I've co-founded with uh, my good friend sitting next to me, Mr. Greg. Good, good friend, but I believe somebody that possibly crossed paths with you during your corporate career. Because I think anyone that's listening who's in the Midlands, you've probably come across Lindsay in a, in a capacity of he's either managed you, worked with you, knows you. Everybody knows you. God, am I that old, man? Yes. Yeah. Well, um, so am I. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I've got, I mean, if you look at our board of advisors, I don't know whether we'll talk about that today, but yeah, I've worked with most of those people previously. In fact, four of them are former S3. No, three board members are, are former S3 and Greg's former S3. So it feels like a different life now. So what was it, 16, mm. 17 years ago? Yeah, 17 uh, years. This I mean, summer, When I was an up and coming, wow. budding, young uh, sales manager in recruitment with loads of fire in my, in my belly loads of ambition to climb the uh the ladder so to speak greg was actually one of my first hires uh right out of uni put him into a brand new market and um and yeah he thrived um kept him Love for it. about two or three years and then he, he he legged it he kind of outgrew me in the business i think it's fair to say and then we went it's around very common yeah and a fair play to him. I, I, I kind of knew that was going to happen when I interviewed him. I, I said to my boss, mm. I said, we, you know, if we can have him a good two or three years out of him, we'll be lucky. Yeah. And that's what happened. Mm. Uh, that's exactly what happened with Scarlett Allen Horton as well. That's another story. Um, yeah. She moved on after a few years. And then we and then we went our separate ways, lost contact for maybe 10, eight, eight 10 years, maybe yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And then wow. this is another story, but a funny story, probably not for now because we haven't got time. It turns out we're neighbours. So we no, I know that. You live on the same street, don't you? We live you? on the same street, yeah, yeah. Um, which is kind of really weird, but it almost seems like some sort of fate as well. If, where if, we were... if anyone doesn't believe in the universe moving in mysterious ways, that proves it, it, it does. Yeah, yeah. Look, together. We, exactly. Look, we were great friends before when he worked for me, and Greg's, I think he's the only person that I recall when he decided to leave S3, we both actually shed tears together. It was really Oh, that's so lovely. I didn't know that. Um, but then okay. as you do, you, you, lose, yeah. you lose contact with all the will in the world. And then, But then since being reunited and Greg's running his own small 
recruitment business and he kind of helped mentor me in a lot of ways in setting up Hannison mm. Green. It's almost like the the master becomes the, Yeah, the I love that. And, uh, yeah, I love but, it. But, but, but our relationship, I'm sure Greg will agree, it, it, it strengthened. We're really good mm. mates. We help each mm. other out in our respective businesses. Mm. Uh, we've got very similar lives in the terms we've got young families. We're the sole breadwinners. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure on our respective recruitment companies. And this is partly mm. what's led to the established yeah. recruitment this club. But but the the important factor, arguably more than us being great friends, we absolutely trust each other. Yeah. Oh, that's that's without a doubt. And, and there's loads that I'm gonna come back to, not least. I'm I'm keeping Greg just on pause a minute because if you have been following the recruiters recruitment podcast from the beginning if you go back to around 2021 that's where you'll find my original interview with Lindsay where we talk about launching a in a pandemic crazy crazy idea but it was a brilliant idea in a niche that you actually didn't know anything about into America and I think it's yeah. really important that you know if you are really avid fan of, of listening to podcasts and inspiring stories that your actual independent podcast with me was really amazing so please go back and just scour through and find that original so you'll probably have to go back to season two maybe um but i just thought before we come on to greg i just wanted to um tell people that because it was it's a very inspiring story so without further ado over to you greg who are you and what do you do yeah i've got to follow that up now so uh yeah so greg elton co-founder of recruitment founders club uh i also run a small boutique exec search company called day two uh, additionally to that I'm a board advisor and chair of remuneration committee for a company called Green Lithium that are building, hoping to build Europe's first large-scale lithium refinery. Wow. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's and I'll I'll talk to that because that's you know at some point that's that's part of how I've tried to broaden my mm. expertise expertise both in my field as a recruiter but also sort of operating at a senior leadership level um yeah. just to understand how these businesses raise money how they deliver projects and and that as an example is a it's going to be circa a billion pound refinery build so it's quite complex rise my head but it's been a great part of my professional development um involved mm. in that so uh, as Lindsay sort of talks about uh been in recruitment it'll, this summer it'll be uh 17 years so like like most people, you know, fell into recruitment, uh, left uni, um, didn't really know what to do, um, sort of drank and parted my way through it, like I think is, well, I think that's the proper way to do university, really, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's others out there that argue, but I, I, I sort of, uh, you know, I hadn't got any money. I, saw, I heard all these stories about, you know, going to recruitment, uncapped income, and mm -hmm. I thought, you know what? I'll have a bit of that. So I went, went interviewing, um, met, met Lindsay, uh, amongst other people in, uh, interviewed, I think with every S3 brand. Yeah. That was uh, normal back then. Yeah. 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 Come in through the S3 hopper and it's intense, uh, they, isn't it? yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they, they ping you out four or five interviews on the same day. And, and, um, yeah, I, I remember that nobody else I met did I want to work for. And, yeah. I, and I met Lindsay and I met, uh, Mike Walker. Um, and 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 that was that for me really. So uh, yeah, worked for S three as he said for a couple of years. It's just under just under three years. Um, had an opportunity. Uh, there's a few family things going on and a couple of personal things I wanted to achieve. But had an opportunity. Moved into exec search. Uh, been in retained search now for um, just over thirteen years. Um, wow. So operate board board minus one level. My business. Yep. Um, is in the energy and infrastructure space so everything from nuclear submarines and supporting infrastructure to delivering the water network you know those are my clients so quite wow. large businesses 
Um, but my company's small, it's bespoke, it's a, uh, you know, it, it it is in essence, you know, it's become a lifestyle business. Um, yeah. 10 years I worked for a scaling search business. I ended up MD of that and sort of half, uh, 50% shareholder. So mm. I've gone through the whole uh, growing a business and the, the trials and tribulations that come with that. Um, yeah. Share some of those points. So that's, yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, really, that really, um, what's really nice to see, actually, which obviously, if you're listening, you won't necessarily see. And obviously, I know, because I know you on a professional and personal level, is you can see the symbiotic energy between the two of you. It's very real. And you use the word trust there, Lindsay. And I think it's a very rare thing to have. But a lot of it comes down to instinct, doesn't it? And you just know. But I love the fact that you've both got very different stories, but actually, they work really well together. So um, I'll, I'll, I might let Greg continue, actually, because you're, you're on a roll now. What led you to launch the Recruitment Founders? Well, first of all, tell, tell us what Recruitment Founders Club actually is, for, for those so, who don't know. So Recruitment Founders Club is is a platform to launch and own your own recruitment company. And, okay. Uh, you know, we, we provide the infrastructure and the tools to help budding entrepreneurs make that leap yep. uh, and, and support them on that journey. And And the important thing for us is, that journey is theirs. So whether they want a lifestyle business or whether they want to scale that business, mm. that decision is theirs. We're not we're yep. not in our agenda with that. And um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about the board in, in more detail. But we've we've built a board that was almost a process of us holding the mirror up to ourselves and saying, right, what what do we know about recruitment? You know, right? what do we know about running businesses, and what do we not know? And yep. try to try to yep. fill all all yes. corners of the square really. And and mm. and I feel we've we've done that so that's that's yeah. what recruitment founders club is what led me to uh, to be involved in in launching it um a couple of things really so I, I had a really bad injury i ruptured my achilles playing football um about 18 months ago um my, my youngest of three children was seven weeks old it was the middle of the summer i'm on a sofa bed for three months in a boot injecting myself with blood thinners every night thinking right this is quite miserable but how you know one on one side how lucky i am that i've got a small business that's got money in the bank so i don't have to panic but actually it really it really pushed the loneliness of independent yeah. business ownership yeah. on me um yeah. so i i actually went um i went looking for community i went looking for um uh, I also realized I missed mentoring great people. Mm. And then the third trigger was uh, an individual that worked for me for nine years, reached out to me. He launched a recruitment company with another incubator slash right. and contacted me for, for advice around his deal and his contract. He was 10 months in, resenting it. And all three of those aspects came together to think, uh -huh. well, I looked for community. I couldn't find it. I missed mentoring amazing people. And when I looked at the market through the lens of, you know, my, my past colleague contacting me, I just found a broken market, really. So mm -hmm. I hadn't, I couldn't plug into something to, to, to give me what I wanted. And when yeah. I looked at what alternatives were out there, I didn't, they didn't sit comfortably with me. So mm -hmm. RFC is, 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 was born out of looking for something myself finding, couldn't a, find, yeah. finding a market that i feel needs disrupting and i'm wanting to be part of that uh, i love the, that you use the word disruptive there first of all i have to ask how is your achilles now the terrible injury to get it's twice as wide as it used to be but uh, and i'm banned 
by my wife. Oh yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to play football. I'm getting my kicks through coaching young kids now, and uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. I was going to say, precarious. Yeah. You can still do things. You just have to change yeah. and adapt as you get. And the sound of getting older. Wait till you get to Manchester. Absolutely. Today. You've got no and, chance. And we've just walked from Manchester Piccadilly to the other side of Dean's Gate in twelve minutes. So he's doing. All it's right. doing. All oh, right. you doing? Yeah, I know. Well, I know where your office is in Manchester, don't I? So it's a it's a very good walk if you're not getting off of Victoria. And um, so I'm going to ask you, Lindsay. Then you've both alluded to it that this board of advisors that you've curated. Um, you've obviously got personal and um, professional first-hand experience with them. So just talk about, so picking up from where Greg's just set the scene, yeah. how did you come about creating this board of advisors and just give give a bit more sort of tangibility to it? Cool. Well, I think Greg mentioned holding the mirror up to ourselves, right? There mm. is a little bit of a stigma associated to our profiles. We're middle-aged white men, right? And mm. uh, you know, there's some good and bad with that, but it can be seen as a bit of a stigma. But I think I'm not sure Greg would call himself middle-aged, but carry on. Uh, I, de- I definitely am. I'm blagging myself <laughs> if I try anything. I mean, I'm, I'm well beyond middle-aged, but that's... Uh, yeah, so yeah, you, you, you're there. Right? Yeah, he, he's right at the top of the hill yeah. now. He's peaked and now he's just coming down the other side. Oh, say. well. <laughs> Slide down. <laughs> you can see your yeah. own demise from the top yeah. of the hill. Yeah, I'm, I'm on that journey, yeah. So I, I, I think... Um, there's a Greg, Greg and I, I think we've, we've both got pretty good self-awareness. I think we know mm. where our strengths lie. And, yeah. You know, when it comes to kind of setting up, um, uh, running, successfully running a, a business, both uh, within, for me, the corporate world and also the startup world, and Greg with his own business and what he did prior to that and his involvement with Green Lithium, I think we're both very strong um, commercially mm. in the business sense, setting up and running a business. We've, our, our history is perm recruitment. Um, and sort of high-end recruitment, mm-hmm. uh, senior yeah. leadership retained. Yeah. Um, all of that and all of our life experience is incredibly valuable for incoming founders, but there are gaps there. Greg and I, if we're faced with a situation or a, or, or a problem that we need to solve, we tend to get mm-hmm. the same outcome, um, yeah. which is great. Uh, mm. We go about it different ways. Probably our process of getting to that conclusion is quite different, but we tend to get to the same conclusion, which mm. is good in one way, but we we realised we needed a bit more diversity mm. of thought. Um, for, for our benefit, as you know, um, co-founders of a startup, uh, and a startup in an industry that, yes, we know recruitment, but we don't know anything. We've got no experience of being a, a venture capitalist. No. Um, and and everything that goes with that. So um, we needed to create some diversity of thought that that, that a board that could challenge and mentor us and get the very best out of us, which we've already seen in the first handful of board meetings. And Alicia, you've been Mm -hmm. in one of those. Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. The energy and the the thought and the dynamic and everything that goes within that meeting is just wonderful. Mm. So, you know, we, we've, we've assembled this board and we kind of pinch ourselves a little bit that we've been able to do it because everybody, we're all on the same path. Everybody's bought into each other and it's just wonderful. Mm. But it's also a value add to our incoming founders because yeah. we're all about a community, um, a collective yeah. community where everybody can benefit. Mm. So an incoming founder setting up their business might, from a co-founder perspective, decide to lean into Greg or I more than the other. We're already seeing that with some right. of our founders, um, but we're also seeing that with the board because yeah. we, we purposely put it together that everybody's got their own, of course, their life experience. Their, yes, their of course. Yes. Yeah. And real value that they can bring 
to any founder during any part of their journey. Mm, that that yep. was the purposeful reason behind behind setting the border. No, and I love that. And I like the fact that you've sort of alluded back to the community angle, which I think when I consider the vast space of, you know, VC, joint venture, incubation, all the, there are so many options. And if you're listening to this and you've toyed with the idea, we are going to come on to who Greg and Lindsay think should set up. And I, I'm happy to give my two panels as well as, as an experienced rector. But for me, I think the downside to a lot of the options out there, and we, we will definitely come on to things like you know equity split, et cetera, the commercial side of it is you're still a silo, you're still on your own, but you're building out your own business. And of course, you know, you very often what I tend to hear from people that are thinking of setting up on their own is that they, you know, they don't want the business admin side, they don't understand about tech, they don't want to be sending invoices, they don't know what factoring means, they don't understand the legal side. So that's all fine, but you're still on your own. And you still draw blogs on your own. So I think for me, that's where there is a unique sense of it and, you know, creating that collaboration, but still being a, an, an owner of your own business, which I think, you know, that's that's a remarkable thing. Because I think, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? You know, you were there with your leg up in a, a, a plaster cast or whatever it was. You know, I've been there where I've just gone, you know, what, what am I going to do? And I actually, we, we, before Laura and Shannon started with me, I had probably about, because I had a bigger team in the early 2000s, I probably had about five years truly on my own. And if I needed to lean in, I'm going to use that expression because I like lean in. I had to lean in on clients. I have no one else to ask, really. Mentorship wasn't really a thing then. I mean, of course, it's always been around, but they didn't have communities out there. So I would often find myself speaking to clients going, I'm really not sure what to do in this situation. You know, and you can't, you don't know if you're getting something impartial back. So yeah. I think that's that's the, the unique the unique side of that. And I want to pick back up on Greg's point actually around the sort of mentoring aspect. Because I think again, you know, you're gonna meet two kinds of people in, in life, right? Especially in recruitment, those who think they know it all, those that know they'll never know it all. Yeah. So what sort of people do you think tend to benefit better from that sort of mentor, mentory relationship, having done it yourself? Uh so I, I... It's interesting. I could, I could give a straight answer by saying this type of profile works best for a mentor or mentorship, mm. right? But mm. I actually think, you, you know, you said those who know it all and those who, who want to learn. I, I actually think mentorship is um, equally as dependent on the mentor themselves. Yeah. Right? I have mentored both of those types of people. Still do. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and with the ones that know it all it's it's all about how i adapt to them and how i connect with them because they'll all have areas of insecurity weakness development just like i have you yeah. two have, right of so course. yeah yeah I, I think um yeah it, it, there are people that think they know it all but you've got to understand well what are their drivers what's the focus point that's the mm. skill for a mentor is trying to anchor them to actually what really matters to them and absolutely and then yeah. try and delineate between what's background noise and what's real noise and, uh, you know, work through it from there. So, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm giving you a bit of a, you know, broad brush answer there, but that's genuinely the no. way. I, no, I, I think it's right. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to stay too tough, far off topic, but I think it's really important for, you know, those that will have clicked on this episode will be intrigued by or, or thinking about setting up on their own or maybe they know somebody, you know, it's very often people send, yeah. send podcast episodes on to their friends. So if if you have that one person that's listening right now, hopefully we've got more than one, but that one person listening right now who is, you know, you can maybe answer this question if there is anything binary around tenure, 
you know, how much experience, how much do they need to be billing? If it is that granular, I'm going to pass it back to Lindsay. Um, who should be thinking, right, I should be setting up on my own now, Lindsay? Okay. I mean, first of all, we don't care. We don't, really don't care what they're billing at the moment. Okay. Um, a million pounds. We don't, we don't, we don't really care. I mm. think my simplest answer to that is somebody that's just looking at making a change in their life. They're unhappy with a fundamental aspect of their mm. role currently. Yeah. That could be they've got the calculator out and they've they've had a moment of clarity of how much of their billing, how little of their billing they're getting paid on, essentially. Um, it could be something as cliche because we're in that world now, work-life balance. They're not happy with yeah. the amount of time with their kids because, mm. I mean, certainly now we're seeing now a lot of recruitment companies are going back to default. I, I, I can name on two hands easily the companies that I know of that are forcing people back into the office oh, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so, you know, they're not happy with that. That it's just not working for them. It's too weighted to them having to be in the office or whatever it might be or if they want flexibility to go to the doctors or the dentist or simple stuff like that where you have to put your hand up and ask right maybe they're a bit fed up yeah. of that um it can be ethical reasons mm -hmm. one for us we may or may not come on so we, we, we're only going to invite people into club into the club that are good people yeah that are good people mm -hmm. uh, that want to treat their customers properly still get a great result um but, yeah. but right because part of our vision is to change the perception of the recruitment industry to disrupt it in that sense so yep. they're happy with because look let's be honest right with all the will in the world any recruitment company out there um in fact most recruitment companies out there they'll have their employer value propositions and their net promoter scores and all this we want great customer feedback they're sales driven environments yeah absolutely uh, most of them still monthly deal targets. You've got to get your deal target. Absolutely, yeah. Performance management or whatever. So when push comes to shove, the deal is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So many of these people will be asked and almost forced into behaving in a way that doesn't maybe fit with their values. Mm. That's a really big one for us because yeah. being your own boss completely removes that to the point where, and for me, and I think Greg agrees, the most liberating thing about being your own boss is being able to truly align your behaviours with your values, and you know this, Leisha. Yeah, just totally. Things where you can really, that you that you can walk away from something that that yeah. isn't your values. Walk away from a candidate, client situation. Yeah. yeah. So that that that's a big one. So I think any anybody that's really just trying to make that positive change, that they're, they're in it for the right reason, and they're a good person. We and whether they want. To, I think Greg mentioned this. We don't care if they want a lifestyle business like Gregor or if they want to build 150 grand a, a year for the force here, but we don't care. You know, if we can. Well, can, can I just pick up on this? I, I mean, this isn't about you specifically, you two, obviously. I have this conversation all the time about this word lifestyle. Uh, it's a good thing to create. Yeah. Why are we all doing anything? Why does any, why were you working at S3? It was to create a lifestyle for you, which at the time I imagine was holidays and nice yeah. houses and cars and everything. And your priorities changed. That's not the point. Yeah. Lifestyle is I think it's just become this kind of throwaway comment where it means something horrific. Whereas to me, be really proud if you want to create a lifestyle. And so yeah. that's all the all the, the large scale businesses are doing the same. They're just creating a lifestyle where they're probably their GP is probably really shit oh, compared well, yeah. to a boutique. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, I, if I just jump into that as well, I think a lot of people, they hear the word lifestyle business and assume you're making less money or you're less successful yeah. or you're less driven. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
I, I can only really speak from a personal perspective, but yeah. for the last four years with day two, it's been a lifestyle business for me. I've been yeah. able to see all three of my kids grow up, be there for everything. Yeah. I am still as driven as I've ever been, right? I'm still delivering to my clients with the same degree of passion and, and vigor yeah. that I always have. And, you know, yeah, frankly, dependent on um, how uh, how hard I work, how lucky I get, and whether the wind's blowing behind, you know, does impact your turnover, right? We all know that. But I've actually not had a year where I've performed badly fiscally. No. You know, it, it, it's not been a backward step. And uh, so, no. you know, I think there is a bit of a um, stigma to lifestyle business that somebody makes you you sort of winding down or you're in sort of some sort of partial retirement. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. I actually think the key to, to lifestyle businesses is, you know, you're just in control of it and you're working smarter. And and I'm yeah, don't get me wrong, you know, back to my days with billion, like, you know, give or take a million quid. Like I was working crazy hours. I didn't have a life, right? Don't get me wrong. Oh. I'm not billing at that level now. And nor, but nor am I working at that level, but I'm still performing. I'm still yeah. in what I deemed to be goals, very incredible yeah. goals that I've put in place. I'm just in more control of what I do and more importantly, how I do it. How you do it. And and, and I'm really pleased that I brought that up because I think as a it is stigmatized. I think it's disregarded and I think people look down upon lifestyle is that I've I've personally been victimized by not nice competitors that I'm really good friends with but ex-competitors let's say who used to say things like oh she's just it's just a lifestyle business Felicia and she does it from a kitchen table yeah but I'm also at 97% operating profit so what you know show me your profit and loss do you know what I mean I don't think it matters and I think the word that I would use about lifestyle business generally is that it's people that are, are, are doing things that feel right based on their values and have created freedom freedom yeah, to choose, like like Lindsay was saying, freedom to choose which clients to do business with that align with their values, that yeah. the behaviours that you will hire people on. If you are, you know, I've still got people working for me, but yeah. their behaviours match mine. And and yeah. I think, you know, that it's all bollocks what people put on their EVP if they're not actually yeah. following through with those behaviours. So I'm really pleased I brought that up because I think there is a lot of snobbery around this in the in the vc market where i've had conversations as you know with lots of other providers and there are some really great options out there you know we're not here to slag off anybody at all i think there's some really exciting opportunities but for me when a potential investor says that to me in a very throwaway comment i'm like well you wouldn't turn me away would you if you wanted to invest in me because yeah, you'd make you'd make money on me so yeah. i think there's a real snobbery and I, I want if you're the one person listening to this that actually what what Lindsay described was me I'd had a baby they couldn't accommodate flexibility I mean we are talking nearly 20 years ago but actually the world hasn't changed that much because we've gone back to mandating three four days in the office so there was no flexibility moralistically all they cared about was my next deal they didn't give a shit about you know what that actually meant to that candidate so there were all these different things going on and that I had no choice but to set up on my own and I think there are lots of people that, that get to that point where they're like I literally have not seen my kids I'm not seeing my kids to put them to bed. So I think that I'm pleased that I brought up lifestyle because actually I think it's a really big part. Now, I want to pick up on the word that you both use now. And I I think this is one of those throwaway words that got thrown around LinkedIn quite a lot a few years ago. But I love it because I'm just a bit of a rebel anyway. You both want to disrupt. So how? Why? I'm going to go to Greg because Greg's all, all energised. I can see 
He's going to be on everybody's podcast after this, Lindsay, isn't he? Look, I don't know about well, that. Well, that remains to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to your, 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 your middle-aged sort of brummy, sort of, a, you know, I don't think I've got that much to sell on there. But uh, you, you, two, you two need a podcast, but we'll come back to that off camera. Carry on. Yeah, Answer so... Uh, what what so, and how are you disrupting? So it's, it's, it's a good question and one that's, that's actually multifaceted um, and I'll try and not uh, not take too long to <laughs> tackle all aspects, but... Um, there are a lot of when I, as I say, when I started looking at that VC incubator uh, sector, there's a lot of a lot of offerings, and mm -hmm. there's a lot of really good ones. You know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. What I did see though was a common, a couple of common themes. Right, first one, greed. Okay, yeah. really common theme in that market. So greed. Mm -hmm. Second one was a quite a consistent profile of the people or people groups of people that run those vcs okay? yeah yeah they're all mm -hmm. the people that are successful no doubt right credible no doubt yeah they had a big exit five to ten years ago right they're not actually that relevant anymore now yeah and now and all they're trying to do frankly and i don't you know blame mm -hmm. them for it but mm -hmm. they're trying to make their heap of capital work harder for them right yeah absolutely so I looked at that and I thought, well, greed is just not me. So RFC isn't a get-rich-quick scheme for me, right? I also mm -hmm. won't try and flag that if we get it right, you know, it will make a lot of money if we get it right, but that isn't the driver, right? And I don't, no. I'm not, not missing the, that money aspect in my life, you know. Um, but I, the greed is something that I fundamentally disagree with. It's something that's irked me for years in the recruitment sector more generally, and I saw it in that that space. And the second thing was that community and that relevant mentorship okay so mm. you know to some people they want a mentor that has bought or grown and sold multiple businesses right yeah but to others especially when they're in that embryonic phase of their own entrepreneurial journey i think there's something really quite powerful about the likes of me and Lindsay still being on the coal face in small absolutely yeah we're, we're out there we've got very similar businesses in terms of size we're turning over a quarter of a mil to half a million a year doing yeah. predominantly per billions ourselves right yeah we are in the very trend you're, you're in the mid, you're in the about, trenches yeah absolutely you, we are in the trenches that then people are about to step into right yeah and that doesn't mean that like we're like these gurus that know everything right but what it means is we're relevant yeah we're, we're in it with you the problems you're you're gonna face and will face, we're facing every day ourselves. Yeah, right? you understand it. You know, it is we understand it. We're still billing, mm. we're still going out there and winning work and delivering it. And and that is Use, you know, using the tech, understanding yeah. what you're selling as part of your package. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Point. And, and it's a really you know, good maybe point. maybe the pod isn't for this, right? But you know, everyone talks about tech stack, and I've seen talking about the market when I did my market research, right? There's companies out there offering 80 to like 130 different tech platforms. I mean, I'm sorry, like that, you're just going to be blinded thinking, what do oh I Oh my go God, you're going to be such a, we're such consumers as recruiters. We all like to try it. How many people yeah, you Absolutely. You know, yeah, I'm like a magpie, you know, if it sparkles, I'm over there, you know. Everybody got, in recruitment is. I mean, our, our supply chain and our, the partners that we've gone with, it's it's half a dozen to eight from everything from accounting to the software that we use it because I think I think we are um, going to say hello to Pager here, aren't we? We're going yeah, to shout out yeah, to our absolutely. sponsor, 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I introduced you to pages, so they they've been sponsoring us now for over a year, and you know, but that's that's very neat. That's very specific. It's strategic. There's a reason for it. Niche, but I think it you're right. Value. It's niche. It adds value. It's yeah, not just exactly. It's not just another yeah. product that you can have. And and not, that's not me devaluing the the rec tech market. There's lots of great no, businesses out absolutely. there. Absolutely. To run. Uh, to get a, a business off the ground and run it successfully yep. in its first yep. 12 to 18 months pre-headcount growth, yep. don't need a lot. No, I, I, agree, I agree with you. Operating profit. Like you ain't doing that using 15 different products. You're definitely not. I want to ask a question before I forget to Lindsay, because we should have covered it off before I went down the lifestyle uh, rabbit hole. When we're talking about people that are thinking of setting up, do they need to be 360? That's a good question. I know it is. Uh, we, we've we've actually we've actually we've actually spoken to some people and considered some people that aren't even in the recruitment sector, right? Wow. Um, people that are experts in their field that are perhaps considering becoming a recruiter in that field, which can yeah. be powerful, as you know. Very, um, very much so. They haven't quite worked out so far for, for a number mm. of reasons, but we'll still talk to those people. Um, internal recruiters, we've spoken to some internal recruiters that haven't got experience yeah. on the other side of the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, business development's a big thing, right? Being able yeah. to generate your own business, identify and convert leads, or whether you work candidates, having a track record of being able to win your own business uh, I would say is important. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say that it's essential, mm. but it's a great question. I, 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 Greg, I'll have some input into this. I'm sure. I I think for us, we we consider all possibilities. Mm. We'll we'll talk to anyone. But if, that, but, if, but if you can only answer yes or no, I'm being really cruel here. Okay, I, we we we, we, we think it would be highly advantageous. So yeah, that you would. That's that's not yes or no. Mate. It's a yes. Competition. It's a yes. Sorry. It's fair. No, it was. Yeah. That was it. I'll tease him. He'll tease him. He's got splinters in his ass, sat on the fence over it. I, I think. Uh, uh, excuse me, French. Right. I, I, I don't I, mind. I, you should have left him saying a yes or no up yeah. front to save me waffling on then. For, for <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I think it's nuanced, as Lynn. Yeah, banter aside, it is nuanced, as he said. But I think mm -hmm. I wouldn't ask it through the three sixty lens. Right, mm. but I would answer yes through the demonstrable experience of contracting or winning business. Okay, yeah, I agree. You need yeah. to, you need to have some degree of commercial experience and be able to demonstrate a knowledge of that process. Otherwise, you know, whilst it's not purely a, a you know a technical skill gap, it is. I think a lot of winning business is mindset, right, and being able yeah. to uh, get get. Uh, have 50 doors slammed in your face and still keep knocking on the next one right but um yeah i agree i agree with you totally by the way and i think we label things so easily don't we we, we do as human beings but in recruitment we label things and the whole 360 180 it's all nonsense and i think it is all nuanced actually to your skill set and your market i've seen some amazing recruiters who are ex-lawyers who literally even in their first year just fly because they know everybody yeah. so they can just pick up the phone and that's business development, but they're not thinking about they can oh just pick up the, the guy that went to university with or my 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 uh, patron or whatever. So I think I do think a lot of it comes down to mindset. I'm always very cautious 
if ever I'm having a conversation with somebody who doesn't have that as a strength, i.e. they've said during some sort of dialogue that they don't enjoy it, I'm thinking, you know, I, I would possibly maybe join a startup but where you're partnered with somebody that enjoys that business development. I always think that's a great relationship. And I've seen some exceptional within existing businesses, but also startup relationships. Because what tends to happen is otherwise you, you kind of get this, you know, the football analogy where you just get the striker running off of the ball and then it, there's no one to pass it to. So I think that it's just being mindful of that as a skill set. I think 360 is just not helpful, is it? It's about having balance of skills and, and doing if, that. If, so I what, do in, I mean, if, if you don't mind, if we explore just one of the nuances, right? I think you, sure. you, you run a business very similar to this. If you're a 360 biller, right, and you're going out there still doing the mail shot in and you're just absolutely bashing clients with generic crap, right, mm. versus you're somebody that knows a market, right? Yeah. An internal recruiter, let's say, right? As an yeah. example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. You're an internal recruiter that knows a industry sector or a discipline really well. Yeah and you want to start a business and you're going to go with a candidate-led strategy to market, yeah. I know which horse in the race I'm backing. Right? Oh, 100%. Well, I, I know which horse I am. Every love. time. Yeah. It's the latter every single every time. Every time. I shot the first one, did you see? I don't <laughs> understand it. They're just busy fools. Busy fools yeah, doing that. Indeed. And I don't know anybody that responds to that side. But I agree with you totally. And I think I play some exceptional people who have come from internal, who have worked in RPOs, because they know the market inside out. And I think it's, it, I do think it comes down to mindset and I'm glad that you explored that further. So thank you for that. So I know that you're still quite embryonic stage in terms of where Recruitment Founders Club is right now as we record this, but just in your own experiences of, you know, being in recruitment as long as you both have, what would you say the potential pitfalls might be or maybe who shouldn't, now I'm going to ask it a different way actually, who shouldn't be thinking of setting up? Like who would this not be right for? Uh, well, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk selfishly from our perspective. People yeah. are interested in a get rich quick scheme. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we are going to avoid those people. Mm. Um, pe people can succeed with that approach. They're just not going to succeed within our club. No. Um, because those are, those are people that typically, I'm not going to try and generalize them, but if you focused on the money first and foremost, that's going to be the detriment of 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 other um, yeah. areas of your business, i.e., customer customer focus. Yeah. yeah. Um, people that haven't really got a good enough reason that just think maybe I'll give it a go. Um, yeah, there's got to be a genuine drive there to be your own boss for whatever reason that is. Yeah, and we'll talk about that when we speak to these people. We don't shine a light in anyone's eye, but a big part of us speaking to people is very informal. We need to kind of dive into their why. There's got to be a yeah. why, absolutely, really and meaningful to that person. Mm -hmm. And it comes back to what we've spoken about before. There's got the, a positive change in their life that they're trying to make. What is it? Let's really understand that. Is there enough there to get them through? It's okay yeah. going ups and downs when you're employed. You're getting paid every month. You've got Absolutely. the infrastructure around you. When you're your own boss and things aren't going your that your way, and that will be the mm -hmm. case in your first 12 months and for the foreseeable, that drive has got to be there to kind of keep you going. You've got to, I, for me, if I can just add before I come to Greg, I think you've got to have such a strong sense of self-belief yeah. in what you are doing and why you're doing it. I think why is it never gets talked about enough, the why. Because I'm never interested in what someone's actually done. Because I'm going to make an, a, an expectation that if you've been in recruitment for a number of years and you've, you know, you've got a proven track record, I'm going to just assume you know what you're doing. 
But actually, why are you doing it? Why, why now? So I think you have to have such a strong sense of belief. I knew for years I was going to set up on my own. And the catalyst was having my baby and then them not accommodating flexibility. But actually, I already had so many doubts around ethics and, you know, mm. the why. So I think that's really good advice. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Greg? I think you need experience of the full recruitment cycle, you know, and that's not purely time bound, but but time in industry will often solve. That. Yeah, allow you to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you've sort of got, you know, two years experience and you've not, you know, you're only doing one eighties, you've had no experience to actual terms of negotiation. Mm. You're only doing a BD role and you've now had not no experience to delivery. I, I think you'd. I think you'd have quite a quite a leap struggle yeah. yeah yeah so so that's not you know to be clear you know we don't have the sort of like you know um technical uh you know experience on a tablet of stone in our office or whatever that, that, that what not that somebody has to achieve but mm. I think to have a knowledge and an experience of the whole I think so. to, to be able to go and run a business frankly yeah I think I think so too I think otherwise you're setting yourself up for all I've seen plenty of people make that jump from the, the scenario you have just described even in in an employed scenario and they've struggled yeah. so I personally think that if you are somebody that's listening to this that possibly that's you and you know that at some point you're going to set up on your own you need to make another move first and try and yeah. work in a business where it's I know it's a bit of a wanky term, but entrepreneurial, where they, you know, they're very, they allow you to be creative. They're, it's an open door policy. The leadership are really supportive, and maybe even know that you're thinking of setting up on your own one day. That, yeah. That's, I think, that doesn't get talked again. It doesn't get talked about. It's almost stigmatised. So thank you. That's really useful. Before we finish, because I can't believe how quickly this is flying by. What's your both of you? I just want one top tip for someone who is thinking of going for it. So I'll go back to Lindsay first. So one top tip. What? There's somebody that's thinking about doing it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's assume that they've got this genuine reasoning and this drive. Yeah. The why. Yeah. My top tip is listen to the voice telling you to do it and not the one telling you not to do it. Simple as Love that. Love it. Won't look back. Love it. Greg. My, mine would be pick a market you can get excited about. But really and I, I will caveat yeah. that. Okay. But don't try and plan to the nth degree the exact discipline or function that you're going to work in because if you go with a candidate-led strategy to start your business which is absolutely my 100 mm. advice unless you bring in mm. 20 clients over the fence and how many people can do that legally uh right like so that, go with a candidate-led strategy the candidates will lead you there you'll find your way but pick a market that's my point pick a market you can get excited about and mm. it gets you back better. i agree I totally agree with you because you you will then become an industry leader within your industry. I can't possibly leave that last comment hanging because I think we're at a pivotal point with restrictive covenants, aren't we, in the UK? I think there's a landmark case that's about to happen where what are your, what as we record this now, this might very well change if someone drops in later on in the year, but January 2024, what's your advice on restrictive covenants for somebody that's employed and thinking of setting up on their own? I'll, I'll go with Greg because you brought up the point about yeah, legal. and I get lumbered with all the all exactly. the legal. Legal. yeah yeah. Uh, first and foremost, speak to a professional. You know, speak to a lawyer. Secondly, don't go burn any bridges for the sake of it. But also, and I think we've used a bit of loose language. Don't just shit yourself off a generic letter you get mm. from a sharky past employer. You know, mm. the stuff I've seen people receive is just nonsensical, right? And it's more about mm. the ego of their past employer. 
and their yeah. security rather than the legal you know foundations that it's built on so get a legal partner get it looked at don't proactively look to go and shark business because that just isn't right and i'm a no. big believer in karma right i am too um, but also as i say don't shit yourself when you get some nonsensical letter off off a, a bit of ex-employer get it checked out and understand from a professional perspective what you can you can't do and now it's really good advice i'm really pleased that you brought that up because i, I actually would have, it would have been remiss of me not to have brought up the legal aspect gosh i mean is there anything we haven't covered in this podcast for anyone that's thinking of setting up on their own i just like to add just fucking do it what are you what have you got to lose you know if you if all these other things combined i'm talking about and if you've reached the end of this podcast just write write your plan down and just get drop me a note JFDI. i think it's just like yeah jfdi but the final thing I'd, I'd leave on with that is if you are decided to go down the route of partnering with a company mm -hmm. such as ours uh, or our competitors just do your research i'd say yeah. be very clear on what support you want and need absolutely yes and don't get blinded in the lights no. like many recruiters coming out of employment having that comfort of being within employment they can be like rabbit in the headlights and they can be quite naive i was in my mid-40s so be very, mm. very clear on what you need and want and make sure that that partner actually provides that for you not just at the entry point but for the longer mm. term and, and, and if yeah. that one point as well which i think is a really common um common thing for recruiters without focused on you know billing that they become very money and cost centric when you move into business ownership and it's something that i've learned through being on the board of my golf club being involved in green lithium you know businesses that don't work like the recruitment sector there's a saying that a CEO gave me, which was um, penny rich, pound poor. Okay. Yeah. So there's certain services and partners that we use in our business that are more expensive than other competitors. Okay. Mm -hmm. But in value. We're yeah, not I agree. Partners, okay. Yeah. Now, I am not naive. I'm not an advocate of just going out there and I'm not suggesting that the most expensive solution is the best. That's not what I'm saying. No. There are certain aspects of your business where spending more actually yeah. gets you more. It's a false economy, isn't it? A lot absolutely. of people think that they're cutting corners. Yeah, it it goes, goes back to the whole intrinsic thing around values, doesn't it? But that is a really, really great point. And I would just add to all of those last two points is do your due diligence and you will get so used to doing due diligence all the bloody time yep. because you'll make, and that's where it will go back right to the very first thing that I think Lindsay said at the very start of this, which was, you know, you'll get to choose who you do business with on in every sense and that'll be down to you how you do due diligence. Wow. I mean, gosh, this has been so valuable. I can't thank you both enough because I know how busy you both are, but has it been enjoyable for your first experience, Greg? Really enjoyed that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for having us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're welcome. Absolutely. I put that question to, Lin to to Greg, by the way, Lindsay, because I wanted to know how his cherry had gone. Yeah, it's it's podcast. gone. You know, once you pop, you can't stop. So, yeah, are you going to yeah. listen back to it? Uh, well, I, I, I'll listen to your other ones. There's nothing worse than listening to my listening to your own voice. You get used to it in the end. Oh, I don't mind get used that, to it. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah, you have to just yeah, you just have well, to learn to love yourself. Yeah, well, we'll see, won't we? Yeah. But, and if uh, you have been listening, if you have been listening to this, and you could actually tell the difference between Greg and Lindsay's voice, you win an award. Because I have to say, when I'm on the phone to either of you, I'm like, I don't know which one it is. Um, but no, truly speaking, it has I been. Like, and it's like, fun. 
Like that's yeah, Simpson. Oh, yeah. no, I don't think so much. I've had a conversation with one of you and thinking it was this one. <laughs> we can't we can't good cop, bad cop you then as easy, can we? You know what I mean? No, I wouldn't know, but there you go. You I'm just you my secret. No, of course not. Absolutely. Listen, thank you both so much. We'll make sure that all the contact information is on there. And we're really grateful to you for giving your time to the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Cheers, mate. Cheers. The Recruiters Recruitment Podcast is thrilled to be partnering with Inclusion Crowd. Inclusion Crowd put the D into diversity, but do it disruptively. We love that. Really reflecting what we're about. I was introduced to Inclusion Crowd back in 2020, and I've been absolutely blown away with what they're doing to totally transform the recruitment and hiring sector. They believe at Inclusion Crowd that companies should be reflective of society and that no matter who you are listening now, you have a story to tell. You have a contribution to make. An Inclusion Crowd educates you in allowing your voice to come out and share that story, but doing it in a way that educates your colleagues and your customers equally. Inclusion Crowd like the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, has clients all over the world and they specialise in our industry. What we all want to do together is to maintain best practice and to raise industry standards to enable us to attract and retain the best talent, but doing so inclusively and with true diversity. By doing this, by accomplishing a true EDI policy within your business, you will also retain the top talent as well as attract new talent, which is a win-win for everybody listening, making more profitable business and a much better industry, highly regarded. Inclusion Crowd are also the official awarding body for the Inclusion and Diversity Certification Mark within recruitment. We are so proud to be assisting and partnering Inclusion Crowd If you want to know more information, please click on the link in this episode and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you do so. Now, back to the episode. We are so proud to be partners of Needy, the gifting revolution. Here at Key Recruitment, we absolutely love to send out bespoke gifts to our new place candidates to welcome them in their new jobs but also as an extra special thank you to clients or when a team is celebrating something really special. But to be honest, we were really fed up with dull or mediocre gifts that you could just buy on the high street that didn't really reflect who we are at Key Recruitment as a business. This is why we chose Needy. Needy source sustainably from the UK's best independent businesses, offering the most perfect array of bespoke gifts and experiences too. So no more boring bottles of plonk or rubbish boxes of chocolates. This is how you make your customers day with a gift that really matters and shows that you really want to do something special for them. For more information on how psychology and AI forming to make the best gift experience for you, click on the link and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when ordering. Now, back to the episode.